Welcome everyone to this week's episode of If You're Happy, Do You Know It? This week's guest is my dear friend and hilarious fun beetle, James Acaster. Um, He's fabulous and he talks a lot about how in tune with his own mood he is, um, whether or not he always finds the best solution for those moods is still up for grabs. The jury, as it were, is out. Uh, James is... So without further ado, please enjoy my chat with James Acaster here on If You're Happy, Do You Know It, which is available everywhere that you might want to get a podcast from, where you can review, rate, you can subscribe, you can sound off about how terrible my voice is. Don't worry, I agree with you. Um, Just get involved. You might even be a guest one day, who knows. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Podcast Arena, James Acaster. Thank you, Al. You're welcome. Thanks for coming, baby. <laughs> Always. Uh, how are you? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Happy. <laughs> you are happy. Straight in. Solved. It's over. Am I? Um, yeah. yeah. I'm good. Thank you. Had a lovely uh, burger with you. Yeah, I feel a bit like meat sweaty. Yeah. You had a bigger burger than I did. I don't know why. I didn't. Then, I thought. Yeah, it was. The, we ordered the same, but physically it was bigger. Do you yours, yours, I think yours, I just yeah. had more. I. I think when you get the tomatoes and the lettuce, it beefs it up. Yeah, yeah. Pardon the pun. Yeah. Uh, but actually, there's plenty of, there's just loads of toppings in it. There's a lot of But toppings. I don't think they gave me any more substantial burger yeah. than you got. I didn't order an extra patty or anything. Uh, finally, the, uh, the coffee's arrived. We're always rolling. Where's my fucking tea? It's down there, baby. Oh, sorry. I do feel happy about the fact that we had a burger because yeah. it was nice to catch up. If it was nice to catch up. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know you were so panorientated these days. I know. Neither did I until we turned on. Mm. Uh, but I do feel a bit sort of uncomfortable. It's that regret of having stomach. fast food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've got to be really like just selective now with like because I don't ever want to regret. It. We get having fast food. Yeah. So I always have to pick the ones that are delicious enough mm. that it's fine. So you know, that burger we had today, great. But like, but I wouldn't like. I used to get KFC every Friday when I was like in my early twenties, yeah. late teens. Me and my friend Graham would always get KFC mm. on a Friday, and at the time, a Zinger Tower burger from KFC was the most delicious thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And. Um, Absolutely loved it, and now I can't even think about it. Really? Never, yeah. Never get a KFC. Um, if I'm really drunk, I'll get the right. nuggets, <laughs> the, uh, n- n- popcorn the popcorn chicken. Popcorn chicken yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll get that, and just That's walk. Pretty reserved, actually. Yeah, it's pretty. Drunk, it's good. just the chicken. Yeah. And I can just walk home eating that. It's salty. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, <laughs> you um, you're uh, you strike me as someone who loves food. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, you don't strike me. I know because we've spoken yes. about it loads. Um, yeah. Do you, do you think that because uh, I've had I've had a guest on who fucking hates food yeah 
Like it Who's makes that? him really angry and makes him upset that like people like it. Why? And we had a bit of a set to about like I just why that's the best. I just best, think right. If you are gonna, if we're talking about happiness, like you're gonna have to eat food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In your life, yeah. so from now until you're not alive anymore, you got to eat food every day. Yeah. So. Not enjoying that is like not embracing it and going, oh, there are loads of different kinds of great food and I'll explore this and taste what this is like. And oh, have yeah. you tried this? It's really great. I've got recommendations from people. I love that stuff. Yeah. Now, I didn't used to, I, I used to just be one of those people who's like, I eat food so I don't die and that's it. Yeah. And so I just like, that was, I didn't really engage with it. Um, that's what he is. And uh, yeah, and yeah. people can blame that. Like, I, I used to blame that on uh, money as well. Mm. But I don't have much money, so that that was not true. Because like when I started getting into food, I had, you know, I still didn't have much money. Yeah. But I was because there's loads of places now you can go and get a good, good sandwich for the same amount of money you'd spend on a bad sandwich. It's not. Yeah. Especially in London, people complain too much. People go to London and they just go, oh, is that how everything's a rip off? So because you're going, you're not going to the right places. Yeah. If you go to a properly a good restaurant. Uh, you're actually going to spend the same amount as you spent on that really bad food, but it's going to be good and you'll feel like it was worth the price. Yeah. And you'll feel like, if anything, it's a steal and what a great day out you've had in London. Yeah. And all, all it takes these days, just just Google stuff. Just Google, just think about the food that you want. Yeah. And uh, for, for all the bad things about technology, it and can find you food. on my phone, yeah. you know, like, you know, I have to get rid of Twitter on my phone, I do stuff like that, because so, mm. that makes me feel sad. So, you know, you're on that too much and you're addicted to social media and that makes you feel bad. But your phone also can tell you where to get a really nice yeah. meal. Uh, and yeah, and, and then literally you just follow the map on your phone and go to a, I mean, that's yeah. kind of stuff. It's magic. When I was a little kid, if you told me... So there was a couple of things that if you told me that they would exist when I was an adult, I would have said... I'm not worried about what happens to me for the rest of my life now. If you said there was going to be a device where you just type in what you want to eat and it will literally draw out a map for you to get there. Yeah. And there'll be another device where your entire record collection's on it and you can listen to it wherever you go. Yeah. I go, as long as those two things exist, I don't care what else happens to me. I don't care how my life turns out. If I've got those two things that... Yeah. that Means I've always got good music, good music, and good food. Then fine, that's life. That's life. That is life. Yeah. Well, you, uh, yeah, you also absolutely adore music, and I think you've got a a really interesting and sort of I want to say beautiful relationship with music is that you actively, unlike most people I know, seek out new music, interesting music. You're open to everything. So many people are like, I like hip-hop or I like jazz or I like this mm. thing and you're you like everything like truly eclectic and I feel like I'm halfway there I've always been halfway there like my probably the thing I listen to more than anything is yeah movie soundtracks but I also completely love some hip-hop or like loads of pop punk I like all that yeah and I yeah, like yeah. and then but there's other there's like more obscure stuff that I feel like I should give more time to. But you're like a pinnacle of... <laughs> it's just steadily been yeah. a thing where like, I, 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 you know, when I was a kid, I remember being at a party and um, I was probably like seven or something, uh, six or seven, and it was um, 
so my family went to this party, it was a barbecue in the daytime, and there was yeah. an album playing called The Greatest Album of All Time. Mm. It was the greatest party album of all time, yeah. something like that. And every song on it I just thought was amazing. And it was all like <laughs> Hi-Ho Silver Lining and yeah. Down Under and songs like that. <laughs> but when you haven't heard any of those songs before, yeah. like not hearing any of the hits and then hearing all of the hits in one afternoon <laughs> yeah. is a real big overload yeah. for someone. And I was like, wow, like this is amazing. And then really getting into pop music and just buying up, you know, all the stuff that was in the charts mm. from like that age until I was like 13 probably was like, you know, right. Spice Girls, Oasis, and just anything that was big. And then, um, and then this whole new world of discovering alternative music when you're 13 and Nirvana and, uh, you know, sadly new metal was a thing when I was that age. It's not my fault. And getting into all those bands. But like, but then, but then that was like the, my most cut off period of my life. When I was just like, mm. I only like this kind yeah, of music. Yeah. I'm not going to listen to any pop music anymore. I'm only going to like alternative stuff. Um, I, I liken that, or I remember that feeling as a reason I not lost a lot of friends, but chose to actively not have most of my friends. Yeah. So I had a big group of friends between I was the age of 14 and 15, right? Yeah. So it's like 99, 2000 area. Uh, and there was definitely, it was probably a thing at your school, I guess, that was at my school, which was like, you either cool, popular yeah. kid, yep. and therefore all you could like was UK Garage, mm -hmm. or you were a grunger. Yeah. And you needed to be fucking killed, right? Sure. Uh, and uh, I remember distinctly feeling like, because I was part of a popular group, and then just getting more and more alienated from that group because I didn't, I started to realise being more confident in who I am mm. and going, oh, I don't really like any of these people, but also I don't want to remove myself from the popular group in any way. And I always remember that music was kind of the thing for me. It was that yeah. the more I heard like Linkin Park and Slipknot coming yeah. and all of this stuff that was coming on and the more I switched to Kerrang on the... Yeah. music channels rather than Kiss. Yeah. I was like, what? I don't mind that garage stuff, but I really like all this as mm. well. Like, Because I grew up as a really young kid listening to guitar music a lot more because my brother made me. He's like, right, I have yeah. to listen to this. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> the Levelers were my favourite band when I was a six-year-old. Right. I mean, what a geek. Like, such a pretentious child. Mm. But it's because my brother went, stop listening to Mr Blobby, full <laughs> fucking volume, yeah. put this on. Yeah. He would give me tapes of stuff and like yeah. a big brother who's like, Yeah, no, you have to listen to this. Levelers, Car to the Unstoppable Sex Machine. Yeah. Those are now the bands you're allowed to listen to. And you're like, Yeah, sorry, mate. Yeah. Um but then I got yeah, I just had this wayward period of getting into UK garage. And then yeah. I went, No, if they if these people are so intolerant that they don't think you can be mates with them if you like Slipknot. Sure then I don't want to be friends with them. So I was like, right, I'm just going to like what I like. And I honestly, yeah. from that point on, I was like, I just like what I like. Yeah, um, I think I kind of like, I think I, what I realised recently about, because I, I, I bought a lot, especially in the last year, I bought loads and loads of new music and current music. And it's of loads of different genres and stuff. But I've noticed that with all of it, I kind of like stuff that is at its core quite, sad and ex a bit experimental mm -hmm. uh and they're the two kind of consistent things across everything that i listen to is that there's a little bit it's not necessarily the happiest music yeah. and uh also they're kind of 
messing around with it a little bit. Even if it's not completely. Yeah. They don't have to be the most original band. And there are definitely some bands where, like, I think everyone's got, like, certain genres where they, they just let that kind of stuff go. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, I'm probably more... Yeah, like, you know, guitar kind of, like, like a good indie band. Mm-hmm. As long as the mel- melodies are good and whatever, I'll probably still like it, even if yeah, they're not yeah. being the most original. Those have to have a decent singer. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, okay, cool. Yeah. And yeah. I'll, I'll go along with that. Whereas, like, uh, other styles of music, you know, definitely if there was, like, a garage band or a... Uh, you know, a drum and bass act or something like that, it has to be weird yeah, or have yeah. something going on in it that yeah, like yeah. hooks me in because I don't, I haven't grown up with that music so I'm not as like uh, immediately right identify with that and it hits me in a yeah. place that I can relate to like straight away. Like, you know, hear Springsteen, it's like, right, that's me. I'm yeah, doing that. Yeah. It's what my mum listened to all the time when I was growing up. So yeah, like, yeah. I mean, Springsteen or anything like Springsteen, it's just straight to the core of you and who you are. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, I have to like really root around and find other stuff. I love that your mum was a Springsteen fan. Big time. That's amazing. Springsteen for my mum and <laughs> R.E.M. from my dad, mainly. Yeah. Oh, wow. Growing up. Amazing. And my, my, my dad likes a lot of different stuff, yeah. a lot of great stuff. Um, but, uh, the main one that sticks in my head from being a kid was R.E.M. And does that, like, that kind of sense memory, because you're so in tune with music, do you feel like that is a very strong thing that makes you feel in a happy place going back to being a kid? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, certain albums do. If I hear Graceland, which is still one of my favourite albums, and then that's like, you know, I was in... In the back of the car, listen to it on the on the my dad on tape, and we listen yeah. to it in the car, and then like my sister got into it properly first when when we were pretty still pretty young kids, but like I remember my sister listened to it with my parents in the living room. Yeah, I remember walking in and out of the living room when they were all listening to it together and loving it. Um, I mean, they weren't really dancing good. around, but they were, they were listening to it, just being like, just loving this album. And I think I just went in and out and I kind of didn't want to sit and listen to it because it was like yeah. to mum and dad and whatever but like going in and out the room and being like no this is good actually and then um, and, re- and then kind of rediscovering it again around when I because when I left school so I left school when I was 17 and went to uh, this college yeah. to do a music course a BTEC music course and when I was there that's when I stopped being like I just like alternative stuff and when I was like right, right I like Loads of different stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I really want to explore everything and get into it. So that I dropped the kind of like any sort of like, um, oh, if it's not in Korean, I don't like it actually. Yeah, yeah. And then me and my friend Graham, who I, I met there, were encouraging each other to do that. And both of us were like, did you ever hear Graceland when you were growing up? Is it brilliant? And so like, I started again, like yeah. listening to that album. Definitely... It made me feel nostalgic straight away listening to it. Yeah. Because um, I knew all the tracks without knowing that I knew all the tracks. And then it was the album that I had on. So when I passed my driving test, my short history of driving, but um, <laughs> I, I would listen to that album when going to pick up my, my first girlfriend was when I was like 18. Yeah. And uh, driving to her house and ha- and having that, I'd, yeah. I'd have that on in the car just listening to it. Yeah. And, it's, and then my relationship after that, we were both really into Graceland. I was so I think I had like three relationships in a row. <laughs> That's Graceland. Yeah, so then the third. Wow. Yeah, my girlfriend after that 
we went to see Paul Simon do all of Graceland, and we oh, went to see the, it all in concert. That's lucky. And uh, oh, it was oh, amazing. Uh, it's like Lady Smith, Blackman, Barzu were there, oh. and Hugh Masakela. Where was it? It was at Hyde Park. Oh wow! It was probably still the best gig I've been to. But like, it, it was. Yeah. It's definitely like that album is still rooted in just a lot of happy memories. Yeah. So it's yeah. like happy times in three, you know, quite important relationships. Yeah, in my and life. quite different like life. States, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Growing up and yeah. adulthood. I'd say, like, that's probably the same for me, that one. Mm-hmm. But also Brothers in Arms, Die Straits, yeah. that was one that was always on family holidays. That's a very... Uh, and I can always oh, just yeah, pop that on and go, yeah. 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 I'm back back in that. Nothing matters. Yeah. I'm in the back of the car. Yeah. <laughs> There's some albums that, like, I'm not necessarily, like, as into as Graceland, but that I do that. Eat to the Beat by Blondie and... Um, uh, the Kinks album that I think it's something yeah something else by the Kinks it's called um, like those were in the car a lot mm. and uh, yeah but then I think the main I think music making me feel happy isn't so much tied to memories it's more it's more tied to discovery now right. so it's more that it's something new and I'm moving forwards and it's oh, like okay. a thing of yeah. like it's, it's exciting in that way whereas like for a long time it was probably just nostalgia and. Yeah, and just because I liked music as well, but like yeah. now that I've re-engaged with stuff that's coming out now, right. um, it is this exciting thing of like I'm discovering new stuff again. So it's like when I discovered Nirvana when I was 13 and when, yeah, I, yeah. Well, when I went to college and met Graham and we started going like, let's get into everything. Let's let's buy this <laughs> jazz album. Let's buy this, um, yeah. you know, this uh, Ethiopian music album. We'll get into Gamelan and, we'll get, and like mm. doing all that. It's suddenly exciting and music's making you happy because of that. And now it's definitely like that. And I've got I've got an iPod still, and um, every now and again something goes wrong with it. I have to get it repaired or I have to get a new one. And that week or so when I haven't got an iPod is horrible. Like yeah. I I I definitely feel not as happy walking around, not listening to music. You know, maybe like every now and again you're like, oh, it's the nicest experience in the world. And walking around, <laughs> but then like there are times when I, if I'm stressed out, if something's got to me i'm stressed or anxious going for a walk and putting an album on is the best antidote for me really and so like when i can't um do that like when i go without it for a while i'm really itching to kind of you know yeah. have that back in my life and then once i do you know get my ipod back that first walk that i have with music on again it's like the first shower you have after a music festival. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like yeah. you've never had a shower before and it just feels... And you feel all the grime just going off of you yeah. and you're like, it's, it's just bliss. Um, and like that's how I feel with it. When, when you kind of like get to walk and listen to an album again and you're like, yeah, this is... That is... Um, that's really nice because I think you probably recognise... What you're saying there is you kind of recognise when you're unhappy... Uh, but you know that you've got kind of a tool to deal with it. And mm. I think an awful lot of people don't because they're like, I'm unhappy, I don't really know how to get out of this, what do I do? And so they might try things that they know don't work for them, but actually mm. that you've found something that you really care about that is as simple as just doing that mm. is really nice. Do you, do you think that you get a lot of pleasure from blocking the world out? Because it's some, it's quite yeah. a solitary experience. Like I know mm. your headphones, your nice headphones are like big <laughs> over the head. Do you feel like no. yeah. when you're out and about, 
that some of the pleasure comes from being able to block out all the fuss and bollocks for once we're better word, you in know, a way like. i think yeah there's that and you get quite aware of that because you are like oh, am i just shutting everyone else out and then that's is that really that good for me should i be doing that um but yeah i, I think there's a element of that i i thought a lot about it in the last year and there's like there's a thing where i think we all feel like this a little a little bit of a way but like a conflict between if happiness is being happy in yourself and just you on your own mm. and accepting yourself and being happy and not needing other people or if happiness is connection with other people and feeling that kind of thing. And music has a lot to do with that where there are some bands that I like and I've discovered them on my own and no one else really knows about them. I don't even try and get my friends into them. And I like that I've got this like album that's this really special album to me yeah. and I've discovered it and it's like my little secret and it makes me feel really good. At the same time, you know, when I went to that Paul Simon concert or when like last year me and uh, Matthew Crosby went to see Jeff Rosenstock together and he, yeah. he did a an album that is a very special album called Worry and we went to see him and everyone in the room had been listening to that album yeah. just like yeah. we had. Like, we have yeah. been listening to it non-stop. They had. And so everyone was singing along at the top of their lungs in this really tiny room. And, you know, it's that feeling of, like, oh, suddenly you're not alone and loads of other people have had this same experience as you that you thought was just you. Yeah. And you feel euphoric. And it's, like, a, a much better feeling than when it was just you and just you on your yeah. own and your little thing. Um, but... If you are, or maybe some me being pessimistic or neg 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 negative, but like um, I think if you're constantly trying to achieve that connection with everybody else and connect mm -hmm. with loads of people, you're gonna experience a lot of rejection because it doesn't always work out like yeah, that, yeah. and then you just get sadder. Yeah. And so yeah. just being yeah, happy, God. just you, you know, finding your album that you like, mm -hmm. and just enjoying it and make and that's that's. The, you got that happiness is in the bank. It's a certain amount of yeah. happiness. And yeah. you can gamble it and try and connect with other people, which means you either double that happiness mm. or you halve it. And it's like, yeah. and it's a really difficult one to be like, hey, to your friend, you, you should listen to this album, you'll really like it. Mm. And it has to be someone that you trust not to turn around to you and go, this is awful. Yeah. This is <laughs> yeah. shit. Because then yeah, it's, yeah. oh, you've just ruined the album for me. It was my special album and now you've done yeah. this. You know, and... Uh, Whereas like being, you know, but they might turn around and go, oh, I can't stop listening to it. It's so good. Yeah. And then every time you listen to that album, you don't just think about your little secret album. You think about your friend as well. Yeah. Or you think about when you were at yeah. that gig and everyone was singing along to it. Yeah, and like a really you visceral know. experience of it. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely a few bands and artists that I'd seen. I think that's the uh, probably the same with, I guess, a lot of art. But I, for me, films as well. Mm. Of like certain films... There's definitely one that we've we've come to blows over physical fist fights <laughs> that uh, <laughs> you know that is so special to me and no oh, yes. one else will buy into it. Sure. Even like the one person, my friend Matt, I was like, yeah. he's definitely going to love this as much as I do. Sure. And I got him to watch it, and he was like, "Yeah, it's all right." But even I was like, "Oh, you right?" And like I did to you, I had yeah. to then explain why. He, did, he needed to like it more. Yep. And that movie is Elizabeth Town. Yeah, your favourite movie. Yeah, what an awful movie. <laughs> but but 
You see, you're halving, but you could never halve my happiness with that movie. No one sure. could. I Good, will always. Yeah. But that, but that's love what it. it's about. I mean, yeah. At the same time, it's that thing of. Like, I definitely do feel like I'm at that point now where yeah, people can't necessarily uh, necessarily ruin my enjoyment yeah. of a thing. Like, there's albums that I like that I know other people don't like. I know that most people don't like, mm. and I'm fine with it. And I yeah. like the fact that I like it. I know. It's understanding why you like something as well a lot of the time. If you yeah. if you like it for your own genuine reasons, then you're fine. I mean, it can only be shook if you aren't liking it for the right reasons. And you're yeah. just going along with whatever. Everyone else has told you to like it, so you like it. And then someone goes, it's rubbish, you know, and then you've got nothing. Because yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. like, oh, I don't know what to say. But um, how, yeah. how do you think, uh, as a person, you describe or define yourself? This is something that comes up a lot on this. Okay. Uh, for... Trying to step back as as a friend of yours, I would go. Yeah, I know what your job is. Mm-hmm. So that like that's and you, you one. I've said to a lot of people, you're one of the most hardest working people at their job that I've ever met. Thank so you. that's very hard. Mm-hmm. That's a very hard working and big part of your life, obviously. Uh, but then you've also. I would also say the other two things are the food and music thing. Yeah. Is that kind of how you think of yourself? And I think that's really nice is that I can go, I know what you love in mm. life. Um, and that's how I would kind of say, oh, James, he's a stand-up comic who works really, really hard and he loves good food and good music. And I think that's like, for me, I'm like, oh, that's a nice thing to to know that you've got those real passions about it. Is that how you mm. feel that's that's who James is? Um I don't know if you like. There are definitely parts of who I am. Mm. It's like I'm very, you know, I'm privileged enough to have a job that I really love. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that means I, you know, work hard at it because I enjoy it. And then, like, I've always, yeah, I've always like since I was a kid, maybe just you know, when I have a hobby that I like or whatever. When I got into music and when I. Yeah, when I was a kid, I wasn't like I was a connoisseur of food, but I loved sweets. So I was <laughs> obsessively buying. I was like, "That's what I'm spending my money on is sweets from the <laughs> yeah. shop and yeah. CDs from HMV." And that's what our I was price. doing. Yeah, our price sometimes. Um, but like, you know, there's other things that define you that define everyone else as well. Like, you know, obviously my family, which I don't really. It's something that I guess people, because I don't talk about it as much. On like, I just don't like talking about things that are really. Uh, I guess I say really personal. I mean, like when it's other people. Yeah, so like yeah. when when I'm ever on like anything, a podcast or TV show, or whatever, I won't necessarily unless they've done something funny. Like my nephew does funny stuff sometimes, so yeah. I talk about it on TV. But like um, you know, I don't really talk about that as much. But obviously, yeah. for me, you know. When I am stressed out, it's not just going. Oh, I need to get my iPod fixed. It's like I want to go back to Keto and see my family, and yeah, you know, I, yeah. I want to be around them and I want to catch up with them, see how they are. Um, you know, I keep in touch with them quite a lot. There's a lot of texting, yeah. and um, my mum and dad are really great at like you know updates on what they're up to and and whatever. Because like I, I think I definitely can sometimes, you know, I've the path that I've chosen in my life is. Like I really like stand up, yeah. Um, but it's a life of quite. It's a lot more solitary than you know. Oh yeah. The lives yeah. of my siblings or my parents or whatever. Um, they all live quite close to one another. You know, mm. 
my brother's married, my sister's married, they've got families, you know, and I'm not around as much and they're all seeing each yeah. other a lot. And I can, you know, last year I was just on the road constantly. So like yeah. every night was just get back to a hotel on my own. And yeah. now, you know, I'm living on my own, which is great. Yeah. And I really like it. But, you know, every now and again, it just kind of pop in my head of going, like, I'll, I'll get a you know, text from a family member and I'll be chatting to them and thinking, and I'll look around and be like, Oh, I'm on my own in a flat. Like I'm, yeah, I'm the yeah, oldest yeah. of three, and uh, yeah, this like because you, you don't really necessarily always stop and consider mm. like the path you've taken or whatever. You it's, it's what felt right, and then yeah. you, but then you're like, oh, I didn't think I'd be doing this though. I didn't. I, I, I thought I'd be. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd be doing something creative in my life, and I thought I'd yeah. you know still love music and love food, but I didn't necessarily think. Oh, I'll be living on my own when I'm 33. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. and uh, and I'll be single living on my own. I, I, I didn't. You assume as a kid mm. that you are going to get married, have kids, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but while I know that right now is what I want to be doing, I don't want to be uh, in a relationship at the moment, and that you know I've chosen to be like this. Yeah. But it still is a thing where you kind of miss. I think that family kind of. Um, having that element in your life is important yeah. and definitely makes me feel happier. And so, yeah, that's a huge part of just who I am and what makes me happy mm. is those people and seeing them and keeping, you know, I love FaceTiming them and stuff like that. And that's seeing, nice. seeing my yeah. nephews and whatnot. That's, uh, I think that's a really kind of selfless way of looking at it is that, and, and really true as well, is that actually, yeah, we're kind of defined in a lot of ways by the people around us as well. Mm. So if someone asked me to describe you, it's like, well, I describe what I know about you. But yeah, that. But actually, that's a really nice and important thing that I've not really considered. Because I've often thought, basically, when I do an introduction to the guests, it's mm. like the first thing you say when you describe someone is their profession, right? Yeah. And I'm always trying to think, yeah, but is that really who they are? Especially for mm. people that have come on that aren't necessarily thrilled with their career or something. It's like, well, it's not really... I don't want to define them by just the the thing they do to make money effectively. Yeah. Um, but actually, you never hear people defined by that guy really loves his family and derives a lot of pleasure from spending time with his family. Well, then but that's you, a great part. You of never that. looked at a person's Twitter bio, Al. I <laughs> don't ever look. That's at how a Twitter. lot of people <laughs> de define themselves. Uh, I love a lot, my family. <laughs> a lot of the most horrible people on Twitter have like proud father oh, <laughs> as yeah, their yeah. as, as their main figure, then they go after people. Yeah, um, I haven't looked at Twitter for many years, actually. Yeah. Good on you. Have you it. deleted it, then? It's Has not it on my phone. Yeah. Good. So this means that I get to look at it once a day. Fine. And do you do you feel better about that? Yeah. Yeah. Easily. I remember when you left Facebook uh, yeah. many years ago, and that yeah. never looked back? Never looked back. No. That, that was making me unhappy. I was just going on it all the time, yeah. checking it, and it wasn't like there was anything on there that bummed me out. It was just the act of checking it that made yeah. me depressed. So it was like... <laughs> So I keep on, because you realise, oh, my day has just slipped away and all I've been doing is going on this loop of checking Facebook, Twitter, emails and just mm. doing that constantly. And that's why I've never joined Instagram and stuff like that. It's like yeah. I don't want another thing to check. Um, you know, reluctantly joined WhatsApp, uh, but I didn't want to. So I didn't want to right. have, so I was like, why, why am I giving myself another load of texts to check for? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't need another inbox that I yeah. hope that someone <laughs> sent me whatever it is that changes my life, you know, like, oh, and yeah. I, and it's all just too much. And Facebook was, it was, it felt, people are always like, oh, you know, 
yeah, they see you as being a bit, if you leave Facebook, it means you think you're better than everyone else and that, you know, you're leaving that and, uh, yeah, because you think like everyone else is stupid for being on it. And they're right. I think it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> that we're all on it and I don't need to be on it anymore. Um, yeah. So, like, it, it just it just feels that definitely, and I didn't miss it, immediately didn't mm. miss it. And I think I would feel the same about Twitter. I kind of, like, have to be on it a little bit now for work and stuff. And also some people have, like, you know, make connections with me on there that I want to maintain and, and whatever. Mm. But like, it's just limiting yourself to just once a day and that makes you feel a bit better. Sometimes, sometimes I have to go on it more than what because some people ask me to do, you know, can you please tweet about this and we need yeah. you to do it now. But uh, yeah, in general, it, the less I'm on social media, the better I feel. It's funny that because I think it's such a huge part of life now and almost everyone that's talked on here who has left any sort of social media, one or the other or all of them, mm. that everyone says the same, that they yeah. feel so much happier without it. Mm-hmm. And you do just think, oh, yeah, it's probably better. Isn't it? <laughs> it's probably better. We're just insane. Like, I, I, I don't know what it is that is... Uh, I don't know what it is about human beings mm. that means that the things we're most drawn to... It's just such a... Uh, cruel trick of life and the way life is <laughs> is that all the things that feel great yeah instantly balance themselves out with a negative it's like yeah. anything i remember as a kid thinking oh imagine if sweets were good for you <laughs> yeah. like why do they have to be bad for me yeah. they taste so amazing and yeah i'm just kind of thinking you know if it if that wasn't the law, if the law of the universe was that they were good for you Mm. And it just happened that they were good for you, but also they're the thing that we all love eating the most. And they're good for your teeth. Yeah. They're good for your, uh, you know, just health, health wise, your body. And you get, you know, it's actually great if you're on a diet. You should eat loads of sweets. Yeah. yeah but why does it have to be that the things that are bad for us are the things that taste yeah. the best? And um, yeah, like all the things that we kind of we can stimulate our brain with and whatever, like you know, social media. Yeah. It's, instantly has that like negative impact afterwards and why can't it yeah. be that going on social media makes us feel happier yeah so yeah. that's why we're all addicted to it and it's great like, yeah because in theory it probably somewhere it does otherwise it wouldn't be it wouldn't have become successful well it instantly does it's, it's that thing yeah. of it's the they go on about the it's the way that people design it so that like certain colors Mm. make us feel like excited like reds that's why all the dots always red on your phone the alert you right, know yeah, that's why yeah. people put their phone to black and white mode so to try and like erase oh, yeah. that okay and whatever and and it's all designed to make you uh yes yeah, that feeling of like i'm gonna get a reward i'm gonna yeah. get like something's there for me i'm it's gonna be a message from someone and what will the message be because like you know for our whole lives or, or you know and before us Everyone's excited to get post. Yeah. Run down the stairs. Have I got any post? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. fair enough. Easy come, easy go. You came in with your day. You yeah. don't have to then run to the door and check if you've got post again because it could come at any point. Yeah. You go, oh, the postman's been, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One point in the day where I could have got yes. post got and I didn't post. get it and fine. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, then sometimes you do exciting, open it up, you know, it's either something good or it's something not exciting. Ah, but it's like, that's it. That was all life was. And now it's, you could at any point get a letter. Yeah, yeah. So it's just an exciting thing to like, you know, but also it's a stressful thing now. Now I'm like, sometimes I don't want to check my messages because like, you know, I just think I can't, like that's why with my emails as well, I have to be like, I check them in the morning and in mm. the evening. Yeah. Um, or at least replying to them. I'll reply, you know, 
in the evening or in the morning. And in the daytime, I can't be doing it all day. Right, yeah, yeah. Because actually all that that did for me was that I would reply to an email and then that means that they can reply immediately if they want to. Yeah. And then there's this never-ending admin all day long and you get tangled up in it. Yeah. Rather than just being like, okay, there and there, I do that. And, and they can wait. They can wait a few hours for me to reply. Yeah. And it will still all get done. I don't have to drown in all this like... Oh, so much. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. Even with text messages, I get it. Sure. Like, you feel like... Actually, I, I did it this week because I didn't reply to you for like 16 hours, I think. Right. And then I, as soon as I remember... Oh, I didn't reply to James. And then text you back. I was like, oh, fuck, I feel... And then I was like, oh, maybe I should say sorry for not replying. But yeah. then I was like, oh, no, James knows. Yeah. James isn't the sort of person to go, oh, I've been really worried about you not replying. Sure. But there are people I'd be like, oh, I must reply because they do get really anxious. Yeah. And again, that's not their fault. That is the the reward thing. They're not getting the reward they were hoping for yeah. with the reply. Yeah. Um, I'm even thinking about it now. I'm remembering I didn't reply to someone earlier because I was driving and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got to get back to her. Because <laughs> she'll be like, to like, where's my message? I remember like... So we're all still adapting to it as well. Yeah, it, yeah. So I was having a chat with some friends crazy, about it. it. Yeah, this is years ago, and they were saying about when you text someone and they don't text back, mm. and how rude it was. And they, they were like, "You wouldn't have a phone conversation," and then like you say something to them, and then they just hang up. <laughs> and it's like, I love doing that. It's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's good point, but this is a different. Like, this is yeah, so different. Yeah. But but they're right that that's how we feel about it. Yeah. So we feel yeah. that that's what's happening, and it's not like. That person's just gone into a meeting, or that person's got other stuff. Like you know, they bumped into someone, they're chatting to them in real life, or yeah. whatever it is. Um, oh, it's, it's just also yeah. also like people hate. I find that with stand up, if you talk about that kind of stuff on stage, it's the thing people like to hear about the least. I think <laughs> yeah. it's the thing that is most interesting off stage, and yeah. most interesting. That's probably making a big big deal of our conversation right now. But like, um, there might be people listening to it going, "No, it's actually, not interesting, go back actually. to music." But yeah. like. Talk about that food app you had where you yeah. <laughs> draw the map. Yeah, yeah. But loads of people. Uh, we 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 try to stand up on stage about how technology is making us miserable. People just don't want to hear about it. I think mainly yeah. because it's almost like a tired. It is. It's like it's, it's like a tired concept. It's like yeah, we've all heard it before. Yeah. We know. We know. It's like yeah, but why aren't we stopping? It doesn't matter. Yeah. That, <laughs> like just, and I think that's like it's not even just in comedy, but yeah. across the board, you see loads and loads of like. There's loads of kind of political cartoons or animations that you see all the time of like uh there was one recently that was really good i can't remember who did it but it was like uh humans as rats it was like mm. the rat race and they're all looking at their phone and they're all dealing with technology and being advertised all the time mm. and uh, i remember watching it going oh it's really well done i get it but then at the same time you go like i get it but it is only getting worse yeah like the thing that everyone gets is like yeah i know I yeah. hate my phone too. But I say it all the time. I'm like, I'll look at other people around me who are always, always looking at their phone mm. and not engaged with the world. And I'm like, oh, that's so annoying that you're always engaged with your phone and not the world for you. Like, I, I want you to be engaged in the world. And then I find myself looking at my phone all the time. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. anyone, if you're walking down the street and someone nearly walks into you because they're looking at their phone, yeah. you think, what an absolute fucking idiot. I yeah. can't believe it. Yeah. And then two minutes later, you walk into someone because yeah. you're looking at your phone. Yeah. And and it's like... And you hate yourself so much. Yeah. Well, you don't even hate yourself. <laughs> I I've do. seen people do it. I've seen people do it. And, just, and that, like you kind of almost get annoyed that the person walked into you even though you're yeah. the one looking at your phone. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, come on, you can be a bit more understanding. But like, it is... I don't know. That, that stuff is... 
it's a new thing that we've all got to deal with. Yeah. Is that that makes us unhappy and so how do we yeah. solve that? How do we? Have you got a solution? <laughs> you just... I think just replacing it with other stuff, getting I think, your own yeah. things. Like I, I, I've, you know. I guess why people don't replace it, and why people don't make the, what seems really trivial when you sit here and talk about it, but yeah. the big move to go, I am coming off Facebook or I am coming off Twitter sure. or whatever. Yeah. I think the reason people don't is they go right. What opportunities do I miss? Who do? What parties do I miss? What mm. conversations do I not get to be a part of? Um, and so I completely get why it's really hard to do that. And like. I really like Instagram. It's like definitely my one of choice yeah. because I like visual imagery of stuff and I like going through. And it yeah. doesn't make me unhappy, Instagram, because I have no... I don't... In that way, I don't have that kind of jealousy problem of going, oh, they're doing better at what yeah, I yeah. do than I am. I have that always in my head in a separate way, but like I don't feel like pictures on Instagram make that worse. Right, yeah. Um so I'm fine with staying on there. Facebook, maybe less so. I feel like that is genuinely a waste of time. But at the same time, there's certain things I might have missed out on in some way. And you think, yeah, you can totally see how it's a hard jump to go, what yeah. am I missing out on? But you're always missing out on something. Yeah. yeah. So just whatever you choose, if you stay on all that stuff, you're missing out on loads of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and like that, I mean... That's don't, a good point. I don't need to like preach that everyone knows what I mean anyway yeah, so like yeah. it's fine um, but like so wh- whatever road you're choosing you know by doing stand-up comedy I'm missing out on what I could have done working in an office you yeah, know yeah. or whatever you know yeah, yeah. Or whatever it is I miss out on every other job in the world yeah. I miss out on it because I've chosen to do stand-up so you always miss out on a bunch of stuff because you've chosen to do something else mm. um, and it's just deciding if what's more important to you and I think it's just got to be a point where you're like, do you know what? Like with Twitter, definitely the, the more I'm on Twitter, if I look at my timeline and all the people I follow, what they're tweeting, I'll be more up to date with like current events, topical stuff. I'll be more in tune with uh, what people who aren't from the same walk of life as me are thinking about stuff and their, their takes on things. There's loads of positive stuff there. Yeah. But if the more I go on it, the more depressed I feel. I've got to take a break from it. Yeah. And I've got to be like, okay, I can't look at that all day, even though I feel like I'm more informed and whatever. Yeah. I, I can't be this sad all the time. Um, I think you, you strike me as someone who's actually very in tune with what's good and what's bad for you. Do you reckon you are? Or? Yeah, but it doesn't mean that I always get that right. There's yeah. like, I'm always thinking uh, I need to go to the gym more, I need to go to counselling more, Mm. I need to uh, eat better, Uh, I need to, yeah, spend less time on the computer, you know, whatever it is, there's all stuff that I just put off and put off and put off. And I think, like, I, even though I know, okay, yeah, that, sometimes I'm really good at it, sometimes, like, you know, if, if something happens, like a breakup, I'm quite good. Like there was one breakup where immediately, as soon as we broke up, I was like, "I'm going to the gym," and I started exercising all the time because yeah. I was like, "I can't just let myself lay on the sofa for months and be really depressed. I've got to do something about this straight away and mm. make myself feel better." So actively going to the gym makes me feel better. Yeah. And then the breakup I had after that, I'd kept up the gym, so right. I, so it meant that it wasn't an it wasn't a thing anymore. <laughs> Like yeah, I couldn't have yeah. a break and go. I'm going to the gym because I was already going to the gym. Yeah. 
And so I was like, I'm going to therapy. So I started doing that, and right, that, and that okay. was good. Yeah, yeah. And then it went bad, but like it was, yeah. it was good for a while. Um, and I'll, so sometimes, I'll, you know, it's that thing of, you know, I'll, it's quite good to do that. But as soon as I fall, I've fallen out of both of those things now, mm. and for a long time, I haven't done either one of them. And I know for a fact that exercise makes me feel more positive, and it yeah. makes me feel, especially when I'm on stage. If I've exercised that day, and the gig is hard. I'm less likely to start referencing how gig, how hard the gig is and how shit the audience are on stage <laughs> if I've exercised that day. Wow. Because like my my yeah. I'm just in a better place. I mean more like oh this is just a gig. It's actually quite f- you're a stand up. Yeah. So I just see the humor in the fact that this is a hard thing. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. You don't need to worry. Tomorrow's another day is fine. Mm. But when I haven't exercised for ages and then I find myself at a gig where it's difficult and I see someone's face looking at me scrunched up like I'm an idiot or they don't understand what I'm talking about. It's so much easier for me to be like, "What are you pulling that face for, mate?" While I'm on stage, and then like make it awkward and hard. And even when sometimes, you know, sometimes you do that, and audience members like it. They go, "Oh, it's so." But I hate it. I yeah, feel awful yeah. on stage when I'm doing that stuff. I feel like not a part of me that I like, not a part of me that I'm proud of. Yeah. Um. Don't want to uh, single people out and things like that. Um. And I'm doing it because I'm feeling negative in my head for whatever reason. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, when I was like regularly going to the gym, I really noticed the difference between days when I went to the gym and days when I didn't and how um, much self-hatred I'd feel when I was on stage, essentially. <laughs> like, you know, and God. it just really helps. And like, same with, with counselling, you know, when it, when it was going well, there was like some days where I'd turn up, really, you know, because I, I went last year for about, 11 months, 10 months, hmm. probably 11 months. And um, there were, it was a very stressful year last year and there were times where I was just so uh, anxious and down and, and I really needed to go to that. You know, I'd be walking yeah. to that session like, okay, I really can't wait to just let everything just tumble out and say all yeah. this stuff. And, um, and yeah, it would make me feel better and I'd go away and just feel a lot better about it. Whereas yeah. now... You know, if something is making me feel like that, you know, I've just got friends and family to phone or whatever, which is is good. And, you know, again, it's very lucky to have those people. Um, but at the same time, they are emotionally attached to you. So phoning them up and being like, oh, I'm just really down. I, I don't know what I want to... I think I maybe want to quit my job. I don't want to do stand-up anymore. I, I mm. think I've made a mistake. I think oh, I should move back to Kettering. I, I, I don't want to do this. You know... And then it's the person who loves you on the other end of the phone, just, you know, whatever, worried or can't necessarily, you know. Yeah, I think the worry is the hardest with yeah. that. I think, yeah, the the people you want to tell about that is sometimes the hardest, isn't it? Because you, yeah. you want to you wanna offload someone that you absolutely know you can trust because they've been there since you were born. Yeah. But then you go, but oh, they'll get really worried about me and that's the last thing. You don't want them... To be worried, yeah, and it's. I mean, I, I really, you know, I, I wasn't with a good therapist in the end, but um, like, uh, she for, for most of last year, the, the thing was just having someone who, yeah, mm. didn't need to be worried about me, who I could just say everything to, yeah, um, and she could having the knowing that she didn't care too much. Mm. I guess you need to know that they care. You need to feel at least that they care enough. 
Yeah, because yeah, they want yeah. you to get better. Yeah. But knowing that she didn't care in so much that when you left, she was going to be <laughs> concerned. That's the the hard line. Um, you've got to go soon. So I just want to like finish it up with a question, which mm. occurs to me based on what you just said about the job and sometimes not knowing what to do with that. Mm. Your job, you could say, in many ways, is is to go out either on stage or on TV and make other people feel very happy. It's like the most visceral form of happiness, laughter and humour and all of that. And my God, you're good at it. Thank you. Thank as you we are. all know. But um, do you, is that like when you're not in that place, uh, I know you've already said sometimes you can be angry on stage with people that mm. screw it up for you, but like when you're not in that place, do you find it really hard to do the job or are you able to kind of separate yeah. the performance from you in some way. I'm getting better at it now. Um, and in in a way, it's about not trying to separate them. So I'm definitely not good at... Um, if I've had a bad time or going through something that's shit or whatever, I'm generally speaking not good at then just going on stage and just doing the act hmm. and doing that and coming off and that's it. And it's, you know, I just putting on a fake kind of persona and doing the show no matter what. I'm probably like, like sometimes I am like last year I had a very, you know, there was a very stressful day where like mm-hmm. I was on my, I was in the car, it was on tour and I was uh, in the passenger seat tour, tour manager was driving, but like I got a very like upsetting phone call on the way to the gig mm. and, um, and he was just like, he was so great, such a good tour manager. And he, he he was just like, Look, you know, we'll do this gig tonight. It's just a it's just a job. Yeah. You just do it. We're gonna get you off stage, go back to the hotel, we can have a drink, or you can go to bed, whatever it is. You can go on your computer, buy new music. Just like, you <laughs> yeah. know, but like this gig gig tonight doesn't matter. And it's it's just you going on stage. Mm. They've paid a ticket, you just go on, you just do your show and you go. And and that was one of the only times I can think of where I did do that and I just went on stage right. and just did the show. And it was a gig where, like, for the first half hour, there were latecomers constantly. And they were walking in and they were, like, cocky latecomers, being yeah, like, yeah. sorry, mate, uh, we, we, our meal over, man, uh, yeah, and all that. Yeah. And you're like, I've, it's really good that I've told myself before this gig, yeah. you don't rise to any of this stuff. And, like, you just... And so... Every time they did that, I'll be like, ah, whatever, you know, just like, job. Yeah, yeah. Oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. They like go back to the the show, and like, so there's some times where I can do that, mm. and I can go. Like, I'm in a very bad place, but acknowledging that with myself, I think the times when it catches me out when I don't think that I'm in a bad place. Ah, uh, right. I've had a yeah, stressful yeah. day or whatever, but I haven't really noticed it, and then I go on, and then the crowd are difficult. And then there's this visceral feeling inside of me straight away of like, I fucking hate everything. I hate this gig. I hate the people who've come to see me. I hate all my routines. Why am I even up here? And like, I just want to go. And and, and like, you kind of... um, But then often the reason why I run with it and then, you know, lash out about the stage is because in that moment, I'm trying to be funny still. And the only way I can think of being funny is by being genuine with them right and so a lot of the time I mean that's something I should add as well because I talk about it on a few things and um, although a lot of the times that attitude can backfire the reason why I all too often resort to it is because it works a lot 
mm-hmm. is because a lot of the time they can tell I'm not enjoying it. And so when I acknowledge that I don't like the gig, it gets laughs because they're like, we knew that. And, <laughs> yeah. and that's funny that you're talking about something that's true. And like, you know, so, like then, yeah, yeah. so sometimes if I've had a really bad day and I'm about to go on stage and I don't want to do the gig, sometimes I just start the gig by acknowledging that. Yeah. And I go out and just say to them that, I either talk about the thing, yeah. if it's something I want to talk about, um, or, or I don't. And I, but I talk about. Yeah, I try and like. I just try to improvise more nowadays. If I'm not feeling like I can do the gig, I try just more just to talk about, just a bunch of stuff. So skirting around the subject a bit, mm. like you know. Um, yeah, I guess if of, you're freed from not having to stay on a very specific track of a show. Yeah. Then. If things aren't in the right, like locking into place for you in your head, I guess if you're freed from not having to stay on that track, then that's probably quite healthy yeah. in a way. Yeah, you can just go off on one a bit. Just stretch <laughs> yeah. your legs a bit, but yeah, the legs yeah. of the mind. But like, uh, <laughs> but like, you know, legs. kind of do that. And, and like, I had two gigs last week where, like, in a venue that I've always kind of struggled in a little bit and it's always a bit stiff there. And, um, at the top of each gig, so I was, was like feeling, oh, they're not, they're not loving this, and they're quite a difficult. Mm. It's going to be a difficult hour, and so I just immediately ditched the show and just improvised. But I didn't make a big deal of it. I didn't go, right, we're not doing the show because you, 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 you're shit. You don't you deserve know. me. Yeah. I've definitely, <laughs> yeah. done, I've definitely done that in the past and yeah. regretted it. It's been like, if you guys can't even pay attention to a show <laughs> I'll just talk about whatever we're not doing it we're not doing it and like make yeah. them feel like they're being punished and instead just being like in my head okay we're going to ditch that they don't know they don't know what the show is Yeah, yeah. just start talking about what's happened to you this week instead start talking you know right. there was that thing that happened that thing. and actually a lot of the time with that stuff you know I end up um, getting one thing out of it that I yeah. can continue to use you, you know? keep the material yeah there's stuff that just works in the moment and you know that it just works in the moment but there's other stuff where you're like no that's a solid enough observation that I can make that work in other places if I, if I you know polish it up and uh, yeah work in it a bit more but yeah so I think there's definitely that thing where sometimes you don't feel like it but you've got to go on and you've just got to either you've either got to decide with yourself okay tonight you're doing an autopilot show hmm. And it doesn't matter if it goes well. Yeah. Or you have to be like, I'm just going to improvise and run with how I'm feeling right now. Yeah. And as long as I don't... But in both situations, it's don't lash out at them. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to succeed at that. And there will be people listening to this podcast now who in the future will see me lash out at someone at a gig. <laughs> like, you know... Yeah, yeah. And, and like it's still something that yeah you know, something that I try not to do, but every now and again you're you end a human up doing being. It. Yeah, sometimes you've um, got to lash out. <laughs> but the general rule is I either choose to yeah. autopilot or I choose to run with improv. But both times it's like just try not to. In fact, one of the gigs last week at the start of it, when I started going off script and stuff, I said to them because there was someone in the in the audience really not enjoying it. Yeah. There's two people actually. <laughs> From the moment I walked out, but like, yeah. they, they they didn't clap me on stage. They weren't even sitting with each other. Right. There's two people in the front row. They didn't applaud me on stage. They didn't even look up at me when I walked on stage. They looked miserable. And when I was doing the set, they weren't laughing. They were just they were drinking a beer, not looking at me. And I had to say out loud. So at one point I laughed because I did a joke, mm-hmm. 
and one of, and the reaction from one of them was just funny to me because they were just <laughs> they were just yeah. hating it, hating it. And I laughed because I saw that. And then in the past, I maybe would have been like, "Sorry, I'm laughing because of this person," and then like pointed them out and said what they're doing. Yeah. And instead, at this gig, I was just like, "Okay, look." That was me laughing because there were some of you in the room who were really, really hating this, and to me, that's amusing. But I'm <laughs> not gonna isolate those people yeah. and point them out. And this is me saying this out loud now, so that if I do do that later on, you can all tell, tell me off. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of had to say to the audience, "You have to make sure I don't do that at yeah. this kick," you know. Um, and if I screw it up, fair play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so yours. it's quite good to kind of say to them. I'm not allowed to do this. Like, yeah. here's a rule that it's not just me that because I've, I've had it in the past with tour managers where I've said to my tour manager, "I'm not allowed to do this," <laughs> and if I do do it, you can send an email to my agent telling them that I did it or something like that. <laughs> and then, and then yeah. they never follow through because they're like, "Why would I send an email to your agent?" Yeah, telling yeah. Them, but but yeah. but like, so it meant, as soon as I realised they're not following it through, I just do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on tour, <laughs> and then be like, "Oh, that's another gig. Where I just had a go at them." Um, but yeah, it's quite good to say to the audience, hey guys, I'm not allowed to do this, just yeah. so you know. These and, are the rules. Yeah. Make me follow him. Well, I think you do a very good job at making people very happy, stage oh, and screen. Nice. Uh, you. you make me very happy. Oh. I love you. What a lovely man you are. Thank you, Al. Love you too. What a pal. <laughs> uh, yeah, great. Um, I don't think people need to know where to find you, but at time of air, mm. your brand new panel show, Hypothetical, Will be will it great? It yes, be very very close around the corner. I would say on Dave on Dave, which uh, I was very very fortunate to be involved in. Yeah, filming with fantastic you. fantastic job. It was so great and loved yeah. seeing the recordings. I'm really looking forward to it coming out and people seeing how freaking great hypothetical is. So go and watch hypothetical. Please which watch starts it. Very proud of it. It's, it starts sometime <laughs> January, February time. Yeah. That's all I've got in my head at the minute. But it's on Dave and uh, it's yeah, Josh Widdicombe is hosting it and I am very proud of it. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.